Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You are listening to the Load Management Podcast. Why? I don't know. What's going on, everybody? It's your man, Chops, Load Management Podcast, brand new episode. I'm here in Cleveland. I got my man, my main man, my co-host, my cohort, Adam Caparel out in Los Angeles. What's up, Adam? Cohort? Yeah, isn't that a word Where for... We have, two, we have two beating hearts on the same... Like, what, <laughs> what like, are you uh, getting out of here? My back? companion, my... Yeah, like, we're, we're oh, one. Oh, cohort, yes. Now, cohort. Yes, sorry. Yeah, like, me. I'm, I'm the fool right here for not understanding English. Yeah, my, uh, my companion uh, that, that'd out be, there. That'd be appropriate then, yes. Yes, my companion out in Los Angeles. Compadre, I, I would Com- use. Compadre is a good one. Yeah, my man. Uh, we have a big episode today, but before we get into that, I just want to thank everybody for their support of the Lamar Jackson, Chris and press episode. Uh, probably our most picked up episode, Adam. Like it was, probably? Every, <laughs> no, it was everywhere. Like ESPN ticker, NFL network, all the debate shows. Like it was pretty crazy. Yes. Salute to Skip and Shannon on dispute. Salute to first take salute to uh, NFL network. Salute to all the tickers. Our best uh, friend, Colin Coward and Joy Taylor. Yes. Joy and Colin, uh, our episode with Lamar Jackson got the shit aggregated out of it, which yes. uh, was awesome to see and um, kind of surreal that it popped up on the place that it did. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to see it get discussed and um, listen to help that there's not a whole hell of a lot going on in the sports <laughs> world right now, but uh, shit, we're not going to apologize for that and we'll take it. And uh, it's still really cool to see it again, get popped up in all these different places and uh, have it be a big talking point in the world of sports. Definitely. Also, shout out to Chris and Press, who was on the episode, and all the Chris and Press fans on Twitter who were very excited about the episode, and they were tweeting me, all this kind of stuff. Shout out to you guys for listening as well. Uh, a, lot, a few of them, Adam, even told me like they were just like, hey, we just tuned in for the Press episode, but we enjoyed the whole thing. So that's cool to hear. You know? that's, we'll have to keep the, uh, the funny and witty banter going. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we excel in, Adam, the funny and witty, witty, witty banter. <laughs> exactly funny and witty banter yes exactly jasmine edit that part out uh so you know big shout out to everybody who supported and keeps supporting the podcast is still new and noteworthy uh i feel like we're just getting to a groove right now um we have big things coming especially sports come back uh adam i don't think you've beefed with, with any other tv stars in the last week have you no, no new beef to report. But You're, again, I there, I have I have various stories, most especially from my <laughs> gossip days, to share that will sprinkle in throughout the uh, hopefully the life of this podcast. You are in Hollywood, so I don't know if you just walk down the street and see like random like like not on like, the west side. Yeah, not on the west side of L.A. Um, no celebrity sightings of recent uh, of recent to report because everyone is still mostly indoors. Although I don't know about in Cleveland, but out here in L.A., the restaurants are definitely more packed with outdoor seating, and people are trying to show some semblance of Cleveland's open. Cleveland's open. Oh, Cleveland, it's already open. Cle- yeah. Cleveland's oh. been open. Yeah, I went. I mean, I mean, I, w- I took precautions, wore masks, and everything. I did go out to dinner two weeks ago. Um, I'm still here, so that's a good sign. Um, I had my first social interaction of, of any substance uh, over the weekend when I spent some time on the beach um, with uh, one of my baseball teammates who was celebrating. Uh, his girlfriend's a singer. She has a new um, EP out, um, and 
I probably should give Marissa a shout out. Um, but uh, I don't see you as a beach guy. I'm not, but I went just because, uh, you know, to celebrate Marissa, um, who, what's, let me, I should find out what her actual- I could see you like showing up to the beach in like Timberlands. And I showed up in black jeans, a black, black yeah, tape, like uh, jeans, chambray shirt, uh, hoodie. I showed up and I, didn't, I wasn't wearing any beach attire. Like you have no plan on ever going in any body of water. No, I'm, I'm pale as fuck. I mean, that's a problem. That's Nancy. My mother blessed me with the palest skin humanly possible. So it's uh, quick to sunburn. Um, so yeah, the beach is not exactly my native environment. It's not where I thrive. Like the, like the beach, like w- w- once a year, once a year, I'll do the beach. Unless we're at Disney World, because you know, Disney World got the wave pool and stuff. I will, I will frequent a wave pool. Disney World is a cesspool I would avoid for a long time, pal. Mm, okay, well, agree to disagree. Um, Let me give Marissa a shout out real quick. Marissa okay. Barbalato and her new EP out is, uh, it is called Mama Said, and she's a really talented singer. I've been to a few of her shows, um, and she's a uh, native New Yorker out here in LA. So shouts to her. And shout out to Nico, um, her boyfriend, uh, one of my baseball teammates. Shout out to Marissa. Uh, let's get into it because we have a very special guest this week. We have Victor Cruz. Friend of Complex Sports. For very, a long time friend of Complex Sports. Very much a friend of Complex Sports. Uh, he's got the Titan game going on. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. Obviously, Super Bowl champion, New York Giant legend. So, really fun conversation where we talk basically about everything with him. So, really, you know, uh, no stone unturned. No, it's, it's a good way of putting it. And Vic's been very outspoken about, obviously, all the upheaval and the necessary forms that need to go down mm-hmm. in this country on social media, especially Instagram. Um, so he has been really adamant on top of that. And we talked about that, too, obviously, because he wanted his take, because um, this is not going away anytime soon, nor should it. But, um, yeah, Vic was awesome. We, I think that we almost talked to him for about an hour. It seemed like it flew by because he's really easy to talk to and a real chill guy. And, uh, you know, personally have a lot of respect and love for him and appreciate him coming on. And hopefully you guys rock with this episode the way you have the last several ones that we've had that have gotten massive pickup and, and a lot of good response. Let's do it. Let's get to the interview with Victor Cruz on the Load Management Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Load Management Podcast. Very special guest this week. We have Super Bowl champion, New Jersey legend, New York Giant legend, yes, sir. Victor Cruz. Probably the most friend of complex person you could find, I would think, <laughs> out, out there. <laughs> Victor Cruz, thank right. you for joining us today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure linking up with y'all. Oh, we love it. We love having you through. First off, we just want to, are you you good? Everything good with you? You know, obviously there's a lot going on right now. You've been very vocal about everything, which is very important. So, you know, just, we want to just make sure, you know, see where, where your head's at right now. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. I'm not going to lie though. The first, uh, the first week or so as I was, you know, going through it and obviously we're, we were in the heart of it and I was posting things and just bringing awareness and, you know, doing different things. Um, it hit me kind of hard, man. Like the end of that week, it was like, wow, it's just all culminated and hit me at the same time. And it was, uh, 
I hit a bit of a rough patch, just feeling sad and being down. Um, but, you know, my daughter snapped me out of that. You know what I mean? Like I had to keep myself up and, and upbeat for her. So, you know, she was my my blessing in disguise. But it was definitely some rough times within this entire everything that's happening from the pandemic to, you know, social injustice and everything else. So, yeah. What's that like, Heaven? I, I know you've sp- spoken on before, but just having a, a young daughter and kind of trying to explain what's going on to them. It's tough to be honest, but I remember, you know, my mom with me, she was just honest and she told me exactly what was going on. And I think my daughter at eight years old, she's reached an age where she's old enough to kind of understand what's going on. And she's extremely smart. Like she, I'm not just saying that because she's my child. No, I've seen, I've seen her on IG, she's smart. <laughs> but like she understands and conceptualizes things and knows how to read between lines already at eight years old. So mm-hmm. I remember watching CNN and we're watching the protests and we're you know paying attention and, I'm, and it clicks to me like wow i haven't i haven't had this conversation with her. i should probably have this conversation right now mm-hmm. as we're watching this so she can correlate what i'm saying and and you know because i gave her the history i gave her from slavery all the way up until now and then and then literally up until that moment when we're watching the george floyd protest that first week so you know i, I know i gave her a lot of information mm-hmm. um but i can tell that she like put it together and, and, you know, even she, you know, went to bed feeling a little down. Um, but I told her to always keep her head up and that she's a black queen, you know what I mean? So we're con- it's a continuous fight every day. So you've had to basically, you know, I guess teach lessons that maybe you didn't expect to teach so early in her life because of what's gone down? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think at eight years old, you know, I, I, I think we'd be worried about like, you know, what bike we're picking up for summer, you know what I mean? Or like what, we're, what vacation we're going on this, this week or, you know, am I going to bring her to camp, you know, the next weekend when it starts or next week when it starts, like things like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't think you're going to talk to your daughter about the color of her skin and why, you know, black people have been oppressed for so long and years and years and what, you know, like not at eight years old. Uh, It's one of those things where you hope they, you know, that when they get to that part of history in school, you can have that educated conversation with them when they're older, but definitely not at eight years old. I'm curious, obviously you play in the NFL, but the big headlines lately have been the Kyrie Irving stuff and him speaking out. And at first he got some backlash, but then I think people are trying to understand, kind of understand what he's trying to do. Did, did you have any thoughts on that? Like, just because I know NFL and NBA are different, but, uh, you know, it seemed like everybody kind of had a take on the Kyrie thing. No, I understand. I think to understand Kyrie's uh, quote, you got to understand Kyrie. And, and Kyrie yeah. has been one of the guys that's been extremely vocal about things like this for a long time. We, mm-hmm. we may have just paying attention to it now because everything's under a microscope and everything's just made larger than life now. But he's been about that life. So, now that there's a breaking point and there's an intersection where he can actually make a difference and all of us can, but he's like, things are reaching a breaking point and he wants to be a part of that history and he wants to be a part of it and feels like, um, you know, going back to basketball could kind of, you know, confuse that, confuse the goals and the priorities and it'll fit when things get set in motion, um, it'll kind of confuse things. But I kind of disagree. I always felt like, you know, that that's a platform, man. And it's one that was given to us and it's one that the world watches. So, like, why not do something on that platform? You know what I mean? Why not express yourself on that platform? It's the biggest platform. Like, as a black community, the athletes have the biggest platform that they can possibly have, especially right now. That's why you see a lot of them at these protests. And those are a lot of the visuals that you see is all of the athletes and all of the different players and 
and, you know, different artists and all of those people, because those are the guys that make waves. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm always an advocate for going back to play. But put yourself, I guess, in, you know, the NBA player's shoes right now and the idea of going to, you know, the bubble and kind of a stifling environment, like, would you, and again, what Kyrie said, I think makes a lot of sense in the way he's been vilified. We talked about this in the, on the podcast that just dropped. Like we all kind of agree that it's unfair that he's been vilified the way that he has. He's brought up some excellent points and it's, it, you should listen to him. Would you be willing, would you be gung-ho to go down to Orlando and be in that kind of stifling environment and potentially have your ability to really make a difference, be kind of put on hold for almost, you know, for three months? Yeah, that's an interesting point, too, because I, I don't know how I would feel having, you know, everyone in Disneyland just posted <laughs> up. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I could just see somebody on, like, some roller coaster, like, yo, we got practice. <laughs> <laughs> we get down one more ride, and then we'll go back. We'll go to practice. Like, it's interesting to me because, and not to cut you off, Vic, yeah. the players are like, some of the pushback is we want to be able to leave the bubble. Yeah. And not and not stay in it because obviously safety is the number the one purpose concern. of a bubble. Then mm. what the hell do they have a bubble for? And, yeah. and, I, yeah. and I sort of get it. Like you don't want to be just like told that you you have as a professional athlete. I'm sure you don't want to be told that you have to be at some place as, as, as an adult. As a normal adult. But my thing is right. Like if I'm really if I'm really an well I am really an athlete. But like <laughs> if I'm an athlete right and I haven't played and now this is I have this finite amount of time. To bring the to to focus in and be the best player I could be for six weeks, eight weeks, like mm-hmm. treat it like an AU game. Go out there, <laughs> you're in this remote place with all your boys in a hotel. Like like treat it like you have eight weeks to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't even have to you know speak to him to know that's how LeBron's think. Like he's like, all right, I got ten weeks to win a chip. Cool, let's lock in for ten weeks. I won't speak to nobody. I'm exiled. You know, everybody's out. I'm gonna be in this bubble so to speak and then you know focusing on that so it just shows you the you know the mindset of different people and how they look at it you know what i'm saying i, I don't like the kyrie versus lebron narrative that's coming out of this like yeah, just, like just because kyrie brought up like they're, like they're punishing the messenger and not the message like yeah. kyrie's message is probably going to end up bringing change in some way there, there's probably going to be more focus on social justice there but we shouldn't be mad at lebron for wanting to play either i don't think Exactly. I think with Kyrie, people are sour because he, he wasn't playing this year anyway. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's mm. like you're you're very vocal about a year and a season where guys that have played and played a substantial amount of year, they're like, all right, maybe we want to get back out there. We want to play. But I think people are a little sour because it's like, yo, Kyrie, like, why are you we're, we're trying to get this done? We're trying to play. We're trying to have our platform and build on this platform. And you're setting us back and you're not even playing this year. So it's like, I think that's what's leaving people a little bit confused or a little sour tasting in their mouth. And maybe too, we'll get this out of Kyrie, but he could be maybe a little salty because maybe they won't allow him to go down there because of the injury situation. And, you know, it's a limited Someone number of guys. That Someone yeah, I mean, because obviously every NBA team can only bring whatever, 30 people and the numbers dwindle real quick. And maybe the NBA or the Nets would want to have someone else there because you're going to take up a spot. And maybe there's a little bit of sour grapes, I guess, of Kyrie not being a go, and that could be into it. But I kind of agree with you, Victor. It's like I feel like I get where Kyrie's coming from, and taking people away from what they could do in their communities is certainly a legitimate subject that should be debated. But the platform that these guys would have with the cameras on them and all the attention and everyone hyped up to finally see NBA basketball, like the message that the guys could bring, I think, would be so impactful and and carry further and yes it may distract from what's going on in the streets but like your platform is insane that you guys would have when you come back with the nba and everyone dying to see it 
And the crazy part is right now, whenever we go back to sports, it's going to be all about the players. There's no fans. There's not going to be anyone there. Another great point, yeah. It's literally your stage with the entire world at home watching you. Like, that's that should be the focus. That's the platform that we've needed and wanted all these years and has never had it like this. You know what I'm saying? With this attention, with this much focus on, on injustices and what's going on, now we have the platform. Now professional athletes have the platform. And now it's up to us to do something with it. And obviously the NBA is coming back because it's a money issue. Let's not, let's not, you know, f- think it's something, anything different. But we also know the NBA being the most progressive yeah. league, I think they're going to be incredibly open and willing to allow the players their ability to speak and do, you know, shows of support and, and whatever they want to get out their message. So it's like, I think you're going to have an open partnership with the NBA, although we know why it's coming back. It's a money issue, but whatever. Absolutely. I mean, you, we'd be remiss to think it's just for in good faith. and. <laughs> no, it's because it's because billions of dollars on the line here. Let's same, same exactly. deal with baseball, no, same deal with football, same deal with MLS, everything. Speak, speaking, exactly. speaking to the players speaking out, I have a strong suspicion that we're going to see more NFL players kneel before during the anthem this season. But my thing is, is it just going to be performative? Like, are they... Or is it going to be real genuine? That's that's my wonder, Vic. And, you know, having been in an NFL locker room, because, like, we've seen guys who have spoken out about it and have been very vocal. J.J. Watt came back around. He said, okay, I understand now. But, like, if everybody does it, is it really the same type of thing? That's, that's an interesting point. I've been having these conversations with people because, obviously, this isn't the first time I've been asked that, right? So yeah. I think that – I think there has to be conversations in the locker room. I think there has to be, we can't just go out there and just expect people to do things and have these expectations for people. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to take a conversation in the locker room being like, guys, how are we going to, how are we going to stand in solidarity with what's going on? How do we show how do, as a team, as, as us in this locker room, how are we going to show our support for what's going on? And if they come to the consensus that they want to kneel, then that's on them. And then they kneel and whoever wants to kneel kneels. And whoever doesn't doesn't. But I think they need to have those convers those same awkward and 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 difficult conversations we're having now as a black community with our white friends and with people mm-hmm. that didn't understand this before. Those same conversations need to be had in the locker room now. You know what I'm saying? And though and as awkward and as difficult as those can be, they need to be had so that they can come to a mutual agreement and understanding, maybe not even agree, but understand each other and where we're coming from. And then come up with how you want to stand in solidarity after that. But to your point, I do think a lot of guys are going to be kneeling. And and I think because there's a broader understanding of what Colin Kaepernick was doing um, now than there was then. And I think guys understand it. They see it. It's visible. It's on social media every day. And and you'll see a different response this year. I just hope it's that they do it because they actually understand. Like guys do it because they understand and not because – they're like, oh, I'm going to kneel and people are going to think that I'm for a cause and I'm just doing it so I don't have to talk about it. The first the first white quarterback to take a knee is going to create a ripple effect through the NFL, through the world, really. And that's when we're going to start seeing a change. That's when we're going to start seeing 
some difference, you know, a change. Baker said he's taking a knee this season. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. As a Browns fan, I was like, you know, that's awesome. He has to actually do it, and I hope he's doing it for the right reasons. He's not just going to glaze over you being a Browns fan. Like that. Wait, <laughs> and Zion's smirking down there. So Zion's nah, he, he had to get that What's in. Wrong with he, that? He, 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 I knew that was coming. Once What's you a, said, what you said, white curl back taking knee, I knew that was coming. I knew it was about to say. Yeah, you knew I was bringing it up. Fan. For one, I broke the news. For one, I broke the news over the weekend. Let's 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 break the say news, that it was on Instagram. I didn't see you on the ticker. I didn't see you on the ticker on. Because Vic, because Schefter, Field Yates, Field Yates credited me in for finding the screenshot first, and then Schefter okay. retweeted him, but then Schefter tweeted the screenshot. Oh, he took it over. Intrepid uh, reporting from Chops over the weekend. He did the Schefter thing on you. Okay. We, we yeah. to Instagram comments says report. Vic, what's wrong with being a Browns fan? Nah, nothing right now. I mean, they... I mean, on paper, they look phenomenal. And obviously, like my Back-to-back off-season champs, Vic. Back-to-back off-season champs. Here's the problem with Chops being a Browns fan. Every goddamn podcast gets mentioned that he's Somehow. a Browns fan. And we talk about the Browns every single fucking podcast. Somehow. That's the problem. We will have an NBA player on. Never never knows nothing yeah, we, about football. We had CJ McCollum on, who's a Browns fan as well. They're trying to twist words. Bro, get out of here. He's, he's from Ohio, too, so he knows. Exactly. <laughs> You guys are mean for being mean about the Browns. Vic, <laughs> no, we will. Vic, I know you've seen Odell, your former teammate. Odell looks good. I was just about to say, like, my boy's over there, so I have a sentiment. I want you guys to do well. So every week I kind of, like, peek. I'm watching the Giants, but I peek over to the Browns, see what you guys are doing. And it's been uh, been saddening for most of the season. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But hopefully next year's a better year. Got a lot of weapons, man. You got, like, Baker, there's no excuse. We had the worst mm. NFL coach in history last year. Freddie no Kitchens was, was the worst. At, he called a draw on fourth and nine on Sunday night football. No excuse. No, bro. they might as well had us four out there coaching. That, that was the <laughs> Well, I'm waiting. I Browns had a like a raffle to try, and you entered it, and if you win, you get to call plays during a preseason game. So I'm thinking that's my in. If I win the raffle, if I win the raffle, I call plays. And then they what's see, the first hey, play? What's the first play? You four, Baker four, Odell lined up. What, what four verts. Madden, four verts. It's what I call Madden all the time. Four verts. Go use a Madden playbook, bro. <laughs> four verts. Seriously, that's what you're coming with. Don't type of detail. Don't type a scheme. Just four verts. Four verts. Odell one side, Jarvis over here. Whoever else in the middle, four You're verts. assuming a lot there, Victor, that he has this deep, deep knowledge of routes <laughs> and, and different, and different personnel. Three, yes. yeah, no, it's, it ain't that deep. <laughs> he went into the Madden play. <laughs> Vic, before we get into more NFL stuff, we have a segment called One Gotta Go. Do you want to play with us? Let's and we did it. it. This is New Jersey based. I just watched Sopranos ep- uh, seasons five and six, so I'm ready to go. Oh, man. Ooh, season five what? is a throwaway, ep- throwaway season, though. It wasn't a That's good a season. Fact. That's yes. a fact. Yeah. Okay, first one. Diners, the Sopranos, or the Jersey Shore? One got to go. One got to go. Diners, Sopranos, or the Jersey Shore? Oh, man, I got to go. Ah, I got to go Jersey Shore. It's gotten a little... It's shifted over the years, man. It's not what it used to be. <laughs> I've you never seen a lot of MAGA know. supporters down in the Jersey Shore. It's just, it looks a little different down <laughs> there now, man. It looks like somewhere you don't want to go. What is the best diner around Giants? Well, now it's MetLife Stadium, but Giants. I mean, um, well, you got TikTok Diner, which is like legendary, right mm-hmm. on Route 3 here. And then you got uh, you got Rutherford Diner, which is right. I used to actually live in Rutherford, uh, right near the stadium. It's like I could literally jog the Giants Stadium from there. And there's this lovely woman in there. Her name was Mary, I believe, and she made these milkshakes, dog. They were absolutely next. I used to go after almost after every game and like call and order one and pick it up every every week. 
I was gonna vote for the Benedict's Diner on Route 17 in Hackensack. Oh, that's a classic one too. Yeah. That's a classic right. one too. Yeah. Right. Next one, music, New Jersey music. The next oh, tour, music. Man. Oh man. Okay. Lauren Hill, <laughs> Lauren Hill, Queen Latifah, Joe Budden. Oh, you're making the <laughs> one away. The three all Jersey, know, three Jersey. All questions. I know is you can't say Lauren. If you say yeah, Lauren's Lauren, got it. Lauren has to. No, 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 no. Look, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw Joe Budden away because I'm gonna stick with my lady. <laughs> there we I'm go. Gonna, I'm gonna empower the women on this list. You know what I'm saying? Good move. And Good I gotta move. go. With, I was just every morning. It's funny, Lauren Hill comes. So every morning I play my daughter Lauren Hill, like on my whatever Google situation. And I just play it in the background to just chill while every day while she wakes up. She just needs to have that knowledge being kicked, even if she doesn't understand what, what she's saying, mm-hmm. what she's talking about. But she just needs to be hearing that knowledge being spoken in her ear every morning. That's a fact. That's Good day. Mm-hmm. Next one. Okay. Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, and Joe Budden. <laughs> <laughs> Those three names have never been uttered in the same sense ever. Before. We're the first one to ever compare story. those three artists. Listen, is Redman anywhere near this thing? Oh, oh it's okay. a good point. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good, a good point. point. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think of oh, my bad. Dennis? Wow. Like, geez. No, it's cool. Um, wait, we can put Redman in and take Button. Redman and Fred, Fetty Wap. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Fetty. Oh, wait. Let's do this. Redman, Button, Fetty Wap. There we go. Redman, Button, Fetty Wap. I still gotta throw button out there. Yeah, button's gotta go. <laughs> button's gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is what it is. And I can boost Springsteen and Bon Jovi. Like, come on, guys. What are you doing? I I know. Uh, I well, I heard that you were really big on Fetty Wap. Like when he first came out, like you you were one of the first people really put him on. Obviously, that Patterson connection. Did you Did you see? Like a couple months ago, he came. It came back. Like everybody was like, we need to appreciate Fetty Wap on social did you see that i did i did and people were uh obviously posting that first video of him uh in the car and whatnot mm-hmm. and, and uh, posting that the the trap queen song and um i just remember you know being in patterson riding around and coming to see the homies and just hearing this song from every single car that was riding by mm-hmm. and like in a distance you would hear it faintly you hear it riding right by you and i asked my homie like what is this song because i was like I don't know. I think I was in the league already, so I wasn't as tapped in. Yeah. And then I was like, yo, what is this song? He was like, man, that's Fayez, the young kid, you know, from 12th Ave. I was like, oh, the kid with, you know, he always had a little eye patch when he yeah. was young. Yeah. So we all knew who he was. It's like, oh, Fetty, you know, with the patch, with the eye. He was like, yup, that's him and Monty. And they all rap. They all doing anything now. So that's when I was immediately an advocate. I ended up meeting them. It's funny. I met them, I met them obviously, in Patterson a few times. But we ended up doing this bar mitzvah together. Whoa. Wait, what? <laughs> a paid appearance? Yo, I, there's got to be footage of this bar mitzvah. It was wild. It was what? at Tao. It was at Tao in New York City. Oh, they rented God. out the entire Tao uh, restaurant, uh, moved all the tables, all the chairs, and just had performance in person and artist after artist. And my slot, me and Fetty Wap's slot was like the same slot. So he would go perform. And then halfway through his performance, he'd like introduce me and I'd come out. So you're like the hype man? Yeah. So what do you what do you do during a book bar mitzvah performance? I was I was was in the back, like, you know, like 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 it was like, you know, coming out of the gate, coming out of the tunnel. They Um, should have set up like a ball machine. You could have just had like caught a hundred in a row. But mitzvahs go crazy though. Yeah, I felt like Yo. I felt like slip star to like Buster Rhymes coming out. <laughs> Bar mitzvahs. I, I I remember hearing like Drake got paid a crazy amount Yodo of money got, to go Yodo to one in too. like Europe, like insane amount of money. No, the check was nice, and yeah, it was. Yeah, I know the good thing about Bar mitzvahs is it's cash. Oh, <laughs> even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> and even, broke you even off. funnier was at the end, I guess the kids were like really excited. And they were asking me, you know, autographs and more photos and things like that. And it was like going past my limit. They had me for like, I don't know, an hour and a half, whatever. Yeah. And the woman's like, please just stay. And she's folding up little like $20 bills. Like, <laughs> and like sliding them in my pocket. Like, please just stay another 30 minutes. I was just like, yep, just keep going. Right? Like line them up. And you got towel. That, that's always good. You know, and I'm in towel eating yeah. some, you know, dim sum. I'm good to go. Wait, wait, let me do, let's do one Sopranos one gotta go. There, there you go. Oh, look at Adam right. jumping in. Well, Zion, you need to watch the, the show first and foremost. Young Zion over not, here is still not, not watch the Sopranos. You're not gonna get me on it, bro. I'm sorry. I'm, you need to watch the Sopranos, pal. You <laughs> no. have to watch it. All right, here's the one really gotta go Sopranos. Okay. Silvio Dante, Christopher Moltisante, Paulie Walnuts. One gotta go. I love Paulie, yo. Paulie's <laughs> Paulie has to stay, right? Paulie has the to scene stay. Of him just pulling yeah, yeah. Iron. <laughs> or vacuuming oh, his, his apartment with that little roller. <laughs> Um, Sil, I love Sil's the consigliere. He can't. He's like my. He's the right hand. You can't get rid of Sil. Christopher, he was getting on my nerves a lot of times throughout the seasons, just doing little dumb things here and there, and just not really thinking things through. Obviously, the traumatic experience with his with his uh, girlfriend at that time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I got to get rid of Chris. Unfortunately, uh, I know I, he did the shit campaign and everything, so there's a connection there. But it is what it is. Real quick, favorite Sopranos character. I mean, I gotta go with Tony. I mean, Tony just had. I feel like that every that's that's every. He has so Mine's much going on. You know what I'm saying? Like he was sitting with his therapist, and just like he had so much to handle, man, between his family and and obviously his crew and his own mental stability. Like he was just going through so much, man. It was like, and he was handling it. And then Uncle Junior shooting him in the like. What's up with Uncle Junior? Yo? He was. I loved Uncle Junior. He was hilarious. He made the show pop for me. Uncle Junior primetime season one was absolutely phenomenal. And the, nope. the one line in the Zingers, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> primetime. Vic, I'm always interested because you're, you're Titan Games out now, but you seem to do so much in the media. You know, you've been on TV a lot. What has that transition been like to being an athlete, to being just in front of the camera so much and just being out here? It's been fun, man, to be honest, like it, it's, you know, I kind of always wanted to do things like this and just show, you know, my personality on different levels um, on, a, on a platform like, e, you know, like E! News or even Titan Games. So um, it's just been a lot of fun. I've just been going through the process. And the biggest thing about me is I want to learn, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm never going into anything like I know it or like I'm the best at it or like I'm already, you know, because I've had success in other areas. I'm not going to come into other areas thinking that I'm the man just because I'm here because I want a Super Bowl. You know, I'm here because they saw something in me that they can cultivate and build on and grow with. And I want to grow as well in, in different areas. So I think the biggest thing is that I want to learn from this entire process every single day. And that, you know, that's only going to help me. But, you know, treating the media like they were my friends in the Giants locker room really helped me, you know, get to this point because the media can, you know, especially in New York, they can be brutal. But once I learned that the media and the interview is w- whatever you make it to be, then I'm then I'm good. You know. Yeah, you I'll say this: it. we're we're not the enemy here. We're not like <laughs> it could be. It, no, some some guys. No, some, some guys. Some guys. In the media, have, some, some people in the media will do some shady shit. There some are media will do Some, some shady guys shit. have bones to pick. There are some bad apples. You know, as that's a popular term now. But like in general, like you know, there could be confrontations. There can be misunderstandings. But in general, like 
we're not out to get you. Like, we're not like out there to, you know, completely destroy you and, and break you down. Like I bet sometimes is a narrative you have to kind of fight through with some guys that you come across, but like, yeah, you embraced it. You had a great personality. You had a great rapport with them. And obviously it's paid off, you know, tenfold afterwards with the connections that you made. Do, do you think, do, how, why do you think it soured between Odell and the New York media? Well, I just Mike Francesa. That... That's why, Victor. Mike Francesa. <laughs> oh. Mike Francesa. <laughs> the, the Pope. The I Pope, still watch him. The still Pope still goes hard on Odell. He goes crazy. Oh my god! Days. He can't stand Odell. Well, I think the thing with Odell is that he was such a polarizing talent, right? You either loved or you hated Odell. There was no in between. It was just you either loved what he did on the field and loved his production and loved, you know, what he did and how he carried himself, or you didn't like. Him. Or you didn't like his antics or the things he did outside of the game, you know, that to show his passion and things like that. So he was super polarizing to begin with. And I think that on top of that, when he had those non, you know, when he was on the bottom end of the uh, of those polarizing moments, mm -hmm. um, he, you know, took it out on the media a lot and, and didn't allow them access and did certain things or didn't want to talk to them because he just felt like in his mind. And sometimes in reality that the things he would say would get mixed up and would, you know, the he some headline would be made or whatever the case may be, you know? So I think that friction between him and the media just came from, you know, and I've, I've battled that, right? Like you have things where you'd be like, well, I didn't, why is that the headline? But if you read the body, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. But the headline is what it is. We got to grab your attention somehow. So the headline's got to be a little exactly. salacious. No, I don't like Adam including us in this. Don't, don't. Yeah, well, listen, we, as a former, we, as a former tabloid, as a former of employee of the New York Daily News, Vic, and a former gossip reporter, I can tell you exactly how. Complex doesn't do this. Exactly. Anybody listening exactly. to Complex does not do that. No, we, we for the players. <laughs> what? That's true. So I just think that culminating just leads to just, you know, him not wanting that. But I think the difference when I used to hear that, it's just like, yo, if you, if you score three touchdowns the next week, they're not even going to care about what you did the week before. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that's how fickle it is in New York City. Like, literally that, the thin line is this thin. If you have three touchdowns, in the, I remember a week game against the Cowboys that had, like, three drops, and I was just killing myself. And in the media, I was like, I'm going to be back next week. Y'all can kill me. They had me in the joint with butterfingers on this, like, all types of stuff. <laughs> and the next week, I came back and had two touchdowns and over 100 yards, and all the praise was back. And I'm just... I'm on Twitter like, really? Like, <laughs> just like that? Just, how soon they forget? So it's just you have to good, weather the good and the bad. You know what I'm saying? Did you pay attention to, like, the media, obviously, but did you pay attention to fans saying stuff in your Twitter mentions and on social media then? All the time. I still do, I still do now. You know <laughs> what what do they say now? But what I can they say now? But I don't – I mean, you'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I understand it. Like, you know, these people are going to – to say things they're always going to say things they're always going to find a way to poke and prod and dissect your life you know what i'm saying but those are the same people that when you see them they want your photo and they want your autograph and they want to talk to you and they want a moment of your time and you just have to understand that and don't and, and take everything with a grain of salt i absolutely laugh somebody um obviously the first episode of, of my debut on titan games aired yesterday mm -hmm. i smoked i mean and i'm not i'm not ashamed to, to say that out loud in front of my peers you know what i'm saying so but somebody wrote on instagram victor cruz went on the titan games and thought it was the brunch games <laughs> <laughs> 
and I was dying laughing. Like I laugh at that. Well, that's funny. Me. That's funny. That's hilarious. Like you, but other people, you know, uh, with not as thick skin, would be replying, be like, ah, you know, just trying to create some type of feedback. But put it like this: I, I redeem myself throughout the show. So <laughs> okay. I'll leave it at that. The Titan Games. <laughs> I, I watched. I watched because Joe Thomas. Browns legend, best Browns player ever. Jesus on. Christ, Here how we many go. Browns matches are we going to get in this Calm podcast? Down, he was man. on the show. Oh, Vic, he's on the show. Twice? I think we're up to three that's now, twice. actually. What what <laughs> sport What sport could you beat the Rock in one-on-one? Is there? Um. Well, I'm going to X out arm wrestling right off the bat. Let's just get that out the way. <laughs> um I think you know. I think I think basketball. I just think he's you know, he's a little top heavy right now. He's been working out a lot. I don't think the flexibility is really. He's not really working on the flexibility as much, at least from what I see on on socials. So I would pick any sport that requires a lot of lateral movement. (laughs) And uh, but yeah, I think basketball would be one. And then I don't know. For some reason, I'd want to like challenge the Rock to like a volleyball, like. Get our two volleyball teams together, like beach volleyball. Bro, what? Be I don't Vic, I don't <laughs> know. Wouldn't that he just one, like, dog. Wouldn't he you spike, spike the ball through the sand? <laughs> he he would literally like break the ball yeah, by spiking he would, like, like, deflate the ball. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Maybe not beach volleyball. Maybe not beach volleyball. <laughs> Going back to football a little bit, let's talk about your New York Giants because Zion here is a Giants fan. You guys are on me. You guys are on me for being a Browns fan. Let, Vic, let me get he, into it because you're not going to give the context of the New York football Giants. <laughs> listen, listen. This guy over here is saying they're going to go six and six and ten next year, but leaving out the fact that. Saquon is coming back healthy. Daniel Jones is in his second year. Our wide receiver core is getting healthy. Added to the offensive line. Please, Vic, educate these guys. I don't even, you've done it all for me, son. <laughs> no, they won't listen to me. So are they going they, to the playoffs? Are the Giants going to the playoffs? Tough div- that's a tough division. Um, um, okay, so are they going to the playoffs? It's, it, it's, I can't answer that right now. No, come <laughs> on. We, no, but, come on. But I can say this. I can say this. They will be competing for the division championship. I, I will say that, and I think the way that's the, that's going to be their only way in the playoffs, in my opinion. They got to win that division because it's so that division is so hard and there's so much parity, and it always comes down to the end of the season. You know, it feels like so they the only way to get into the playoffs, I think, from the NFC East is winning that division. Have you talked to guys on the team about what, what's the perception of Joe Judge? What do they think of, of him? Um, I think they like him. I spoke to Saquon briefly, I think, when they got him or his first, uh, you know, when he got hired. And I think he had a conversation with Saquon that week. And he was like, he seemed like a straight shooter and seemed like the guy that, um, you know, kind of embodies that New York Giants attitude. I think when you think of a head football coach, at least for me, I always think of Coughlin. Obviously, Coughlin's like, he's like the gold standard for me, right? Mm -hmm. And Coughlin had discipline and he had a level of understanding with his players that really went a long way and paid dividends. And I think um, Coach Judge has that same kind of demeanor. And I haven't met him yet, but hearing his his press conference and just hearing what Saquon said about him briefly and meeting him initially um, on the phone, it was like, okay, I think he embodies kind of those New York giant coaches, so to speak, that could be there potentially for the long haul because he's a young guy. Ring season. Ring season's coming. Uh, no ring this season. Guy. Relax, Pascal. Bro, y'all, y'all no have, ring listen, season. Vic, their teams have never won a Super Bowl, so they can't talk to me. Listen, I'm, oh, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Jets fan, Victor, so I'm, I'm going to shut the The Jets have won a Super Bowl for one thing. The Jets have won a Super Bowl. The Jets have won a Super Bowl. The Jets have won a Super Bowl. Joe Namath won, like, the most famous Super Bowl ever. Dude. But I had to watch it in black and white on YouTube. Black and white TV oh. don't count, bro. 
<laughs> Who has more wins this year, Bill Belichick or the or Tom Brady? Oh my gosh, Tom Brady is not close. Clearly, like thank people, you. You're the first person to, to come on here and say that that's going to happen for real. Really? People think people keep telling us Schefter, rap, rap sheet. Uh, who else told us? I keep Lady forgetting. Now, Le- now, Le'Veon. I, Le'Veon. There's a lot of like Belichick love around around the league, which you get. But when the quarterback is who it's going to be, either Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer, the idea that the Patriots are going to win more than eight and a half games, their Vegas over under, to us seems completely preposterous. And glad to know that you have some common sense also about this. <laughs> exactly. I think now I do believe in that defense, and I think that defense. You can believe in Belichick, but like what, when yes. push comes to shove, and you have this unknown at quarterback, and the division ain't great, but it's not exactly. It's not. Like it's not competitive. Like exactly. they're not going to win 10 exactly. games. The Bills are better. The Dolphins are, have made some moves. They'll be competitive. They'll be competitive. That entire that entire division is, is starting to shift right now. And it's getting a little bit better. It's getting a little bit better. And you can see it kind of folding. And then, the you know, Tom Brady leaving. It's like the, the floodgates are open. And also we, we talked about just this. Think- Sorry, Vic. Go ahead. Finish. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I mean, strength of schedule, which you can poke holes at because it's based on what it was last season in personnel, but still, like the Patriots are not gonna have an easy schedule, but they have going uh, ahead of them. So the idea that they're gonna win 10 or 11 games, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. Exactly. And when you look at the way the NFL is, they're gonna be in those shootouts a lot more than often. You know what I mean? Mm, they're gonna yeah. be in those games where they're gonna have to put some points up to be able to be able to compete. Are they gonna is Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer able to carry a team like that? For an entire game, not just a drive or two or a, a half, like for an entire game, the way Brady used. To. But my biggest thing is is that you said it was going to be not even close. I think- yeah, I got them winning. I got them winning maybe five games this year. Five. <laughs> Let's the go. Patriots. Five or six. Five or six games, and that's Bro. off defense. That's off the defense GP. Like that's just off. I think their defense will win them six games off defense, turning the there ball over. Scoring touchdowns on deep, like that's gonna win them a hand, literally a handful of games. But they won with Matt Castle. The Patriots won with Matt Castle before. They, they had better Jimmy, weapons on that Matt they Castle. They won with team. Jimmy Vic, G. You were too. in the league, and they, I, I think, I can't remember what Matt Castle was. Yo, the receivers are unproven. The tight end, I mean, Julian Edelman is the only proven guy, and the tight end is, I can't even name him right now. Yeah, and the running back situation is what it is. There, they have a good stable as usual. And the offensive line was wasn't doing the best job of keeping Brady upright a year ago. So I hope they can do better this year with somebody, you know, somebody else after a draft, after free agency, the whole thing. So they got some holes to fill. Are you in on the Bucks then? Like obviously it's not much more to win more than five, but do you think they're 10-11 wins or I think that now they're in a tough division too, but I think I think they I think they compete. I think they win the division, in my opinion. I think <sighs> over the New I Orleans think- Saints. Over the New Orleans Saints, I think due to like things that you know, obviously Drew has said and things like that. Yep. There's gonna be this that line's just not gonna block for him this season. They're just yeah, <laughs> like there's gonna be some third downs where you might get a little. Olay, <laughs> <laughs> but but aside from that, I think that it's just one of those things that you know when the things when, when things like that happen on a team that affect the the morality and and the emotion of a team. With the team predominantly, you know, composed of black athletes and black men, it's going to be hard to not cut that tension with a knife in the locker room. Whether things could be going smooth, it's just it's always going to be there in your mind. And I just think that overwhelms you and blocks you from getting to the pinnacle sometimes. You know Let me saying? ask you this. The first time something goes wrong, is maybe that going to go to some guys' head? Like maybe it might come out 
right then? You know, is that it? It's going to be kind of that thing right there for them. You're saying possible, uh, maybe not right in that moment, but if there's buildup, if there's little things that are happening within the locker room that that guys are seeing or things that are going on behind the scenes that we may not know about or conversation mm-hmm. or all those difficult conversations being had. And, you know, like we just don't know. And obviously yeah. you always want to shoot for love and, you know, and Drew Brees is, I, I used to, I love the guy. I'm not used to, I still love the guy. I don't not love anyone. Um, but it's just that, you know, he was such a, a figure for new Orleans and for the black community. And, and I don't even think he knew that yeah. like all these years, <laughs> I mean, the man, it felt like he single-handedly saved New Orleans from Katrina. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, with football and the way they played and winning a Super Bowl in 2009, like, that culminated and brought the city together, a city that obviously is composed of majority Black people in the Black community, and they wrapped his arms around him. And I think he, I don't think he understood that when he said mm-hmm. what he said initially because of, you know, his upbringing and things that he's been accustomed to his entire life. They were chanting, fuck Drew Brees at protests. They, they were training <laughs> literally, that. like, literally, like, I never thought I would see anywhere in New Orleans chant, fuck Drew Brees, and that shit was happening. Crazy. Well, he he fucked crazy, up, so. Man. He did fuck up. He did fuck up. Uh, Vic, I'm guessing you watched the Last Dance documentary. Who didn't watch the Last Dance documentary? Absolutely, yeah, of course. If there was a documentary about the 2011 Giants, oh. what is something that the general public doesn't know that we would learn from that documentary? What are you trying to do, bro? I'm, no, this is a good. That's a good thing. Like, oh it's a, man! It's a, I mean, there's so because back in 2011, it was like Instagram wasn't even a thing really yet. It was just Twitter, so you can kind of, you know, a lot of things were going on. <laughs> you could move a little bit more freely um, back then. But I just, just all of it, man. I think like, I think that game, but you know, the game in the before San Fran, like the the NFC Championship game before in San Francisco, like the night before we were just locked in and and like we were having conversations and i just you know a, a lot of football and a lot of things i miss about the game is the pre, you know the, the night before the game conversations the dinners before games and like the locker room conversations and then you go back to those memories and you're just like wow we were we were locked in you know what i'm saying like we were having conversations about the game and like talking about it and understanding what we had to do on the drop of a dime and that's what made us so successful throughout throughout that postseason run because everyone knew exactly what was being asked of them and no one felt a way about it. No one wanted to do more because it would step on somebody else's toes. Everybody had their their job and everybody fulfilled it. And just to put a camera in front of all of that would have been crazy. What was the best prank Eli Manning pulled on you? <laughs> oh man. Because Eli's a known prankster. He oh, he's man. he's done stuff in the locker room for for you know for his entire career. But what was the best thing he pulled on you? I love the Eli Renaissance right now on Twitter and everything though, and everybody's getting to see how funny he is. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. Um, the best thing he pulled on me, man. I mean, there's so many to choose from. Um, but the 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 one I hated the most because it took the longest for me to correct was him changing the, the my phone to. It look, what would look like hieroglyphics. Like, I don't even know what. The Cam, the Cam what Newton was. font? Yeah, I got up. I left my phone <laughs> on the table. The Cam Newton font. That's how Cam types <laughs> on IG. It is. That's. I don't even know what type of. He has like six keyboard apps. That's the only way you get to like that kind of font. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I left my phone. I went and got like a refill or like some more food or something. I came back. He didn't say anything. He's eating. We're talking and watching Sports Center. And I go to like make a text or to make a call, and my whole phone is just like 
Asian hieroglyphics. Do you not have a passcode? I uh, it's before passcodes probably. I didn't then. I didn't then. I was just I was out here free. I was out here (laughs) living my life on the edge. Apparently, damn, that's risky. We're leaving your phone on on passcode in the locker room. I didn't know. Am I just like my second year? I'm you know I'm really just getting to know Eli this year, really, and. It was just like, you know, it's Eli. You just leave, you know, you, you trust him. He has the trusting face. What do you want to do? <laughs> He's, he does look very trusting. You mentioned <laughs> night before games, dinners and all that kind of oh, stuff. Were you ordering pizzas to the room? Did you ever no. order anything to the room like that? Because I don't believe, for one, I don't believe MJ's story. So that's why I'm, I'm bringing this that up. That makes two of us. I thought you were taking it somewhere else. No, what? <laughs> I thought he no, thought it too. I have ordered food to the room before. And luckily, it's been like, you know, safe. No one's tried to poison me or anything crazy. Um, so that's cool. The one thing about the Jordan story that I didn't understand, right, is like all of y'all are hanging out in the room, right? There were like three or four of them. And all of you guys are, you know, so cigars. I'm sure there was alcohol. Everybody's drinking, chilling. And the pizza comes and nobody ate the pizza but you, Mike? Come on, Mike. <laughs> There's some Stop. holes in the Everybody's story. Hungry. That does, that We've been in here up. smoking and drinking. We're hungry. Everybody's hungry. <laughs> Wait, now I need uh, to know what Zion thought that I was going to ask. No, I thought you were going to bring up the, the Green Bay game. Oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's. I mean, well, Vic, you did recently oh. say that was, you'll never live that down, that photo. So, I mean, uh, let's talk about it. I don't know. This is, this is me in real life, not living it now. Just so. Just <laughs> yeah, like literally, this is, this is com- it's me in real time, not living it down. It literally no, happened before us. We get a lot of slack for that, man, obviously. And I get a lot of it, too, because I was like the OG of the crew at the time. <laughs> so I get a lot of slack for that. But it was eight days away from the game, man. We had a full right. week of practice. We had, like, nothing we did on that Sunday is going to affect what we were going to do on that next Sunday. Like, And it was a day off. We weren't breaking any rules. The only person to blame here is Trey Songs for posting the video the photo. <laughs> when is the last time you looked at that uh, that photo? What a month ago it popped up. It popped up in my uh, in my memories not too long ago. <laughs> no way! And the, the, Apple was like, "Do you remember this?" Apple's like, "We're on a boat." <laughs> what shoes were you wearing? You can see everybody else's shoes in the picture, but yours. What kicks did you have on? Do you remember? What did I have on? I had on. The did you have Tim's on? Because like yeah, Odell, yeah, had, some had Tim's. the Tim's on. Yeah, oh, Odell no, had the so Tim's on. I, so funny story, and O probably doesn't like me telling it, but O, I O asked me. If those are my Tim's that O is wearing in the photo, because <laughs> we were on the on the plane. We booked a little private plane, and we don't have to get into details on that. But we get the plane. We're on the plane, and he didn't like his outfit, he didn't like his shoes or whatever. He was like, "Yo, let me wear the boots," because mind you, I'm fully. Prepared. I had a whole change of clothes. I was like, oh, is this really happening? I'm going to bring a whole a outfit. Just I need to be fresh. I need to be ready. So he was like, yo, let me wear the Tim's. I think I had on some, I think I had on like some filling pieces joints from back then or something. Something easy. Why did you think that Tim's were the way to go on a boat? I've never seen. Listen, you stand out wearing Tim's on a boat in Miami. We were operating on very last minute. We literally landed from the game, from the previous game, got in our cars and drove to Teterboro. And then flew right to Miami. <laughs> I, we were we were we were living. We booked a, the private jet on the plane on the bus ride home. I think it was a bus ride. I think we played. <laughs> I can't. I is yeah. that what started the Odell media thing? With nah. that's what started it, right? Or no? Was it? Nah, it was before. No, that. no, no. We had he had already hit the field. He had already hit the kicker's net. Uh, and all oh, that. the the I net mean, was before that. Okay, okay. Yeah, he had already done all of that. 
Um, people, just my experience watching Odell last year interact with the Cleveland media, and the Cleveland media I don't think is very, you know, they're hit and miss. I've talked to Odell, Jarvis, and Baker about it all separately, and they've all said the same thing without me bringing it up through air interviews. So I just can't imagine how tough it is. Like you said, you say a whole bunch of stuff in an interview, and one thing gets taken out of it, you know, and, and it's trying to to twist it in just such a way to make – is it to make – are they trying to make fans turn on players? That's what I – and we're in the media, so I don't know why, why what it does, you know? But it did. Well, I, like, I, I think it's the headline. I think it's exactly what it is, clickbait. You want people to click on your story, and you want people to click on it because of what it says and what that headline reads. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just – and a lot of people like us, like, we dig a level deeper. Like, we know we, – we know the Art Stapletons of the world. We know the different <laughs> – writers and the different people that are going there after a couple of years you see the same guys you know them so like when that specific writer writes something about you you're like that's not what i told you and mind you i've known you for four years like well, why are you going to write that about me now i've been talking to you and giving you stories for four years is there no level of human you know mm -hmm. relations that like we can't just be friendly and write positive things because we have this rapport for four years you know what i'm saying like it's things like that you know that that hinder it so you have this rapport with someone, all of a sudden they write a headline and take your words out of context, ruins a whole four-year relationship. Now they reach out to you because they want to do a story in the future. You're like, no, because remember that story you wrote? I'll never forget a story that was written by, I forget his name now, Jordan, his name, Jordan something. He works at ESPN now. He, we, were, we were colleagues at one point. Jordan Schultz? Schultz. And Jordan Schultz, yep. And it was when I was injured and kind of in and out, and he was like, fool me once with Victor Cruz. Fool me twice, but can't fool me three times. If he's hurt again, Giants need to get rid of him. And I was like, wow, cut this one out. Put it up on the wall here. And um, but yeah, like I'll never forget that. And then I saw him and I saw him and I brought it up. What did he say? Did he back did he I saw uh, him later on and I brought it up? And he was like, you know, I just had to, you know, that's kind of how we were feeling. I mean, you got to think about it from our perspective. You know, he's he went to the our perspective journey. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, I get it, but just know it made me feel the type of way. That's all. I just want people to know that like we're humans and that the things you write and say actually affect us. No matter what, we understand it's your job and we have a job and your job is to talk about what we do, but it doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. Very true. Victor, where do you, what's next for Victor Cruz, the Victor Cruz empire? What's, oh, man. what's, what's, uh, what's, what's on deck? What do you want to get into going forward? Well, I just want to continue to, um, just keep my hands in, in, in all these different streams. I think I have, you know, so many things aligned with, with what I want to do and, and the things that I want to accomplish, whether it's in philanthropy, whether it's in fashion or whether it's in media now and, and what I'm doing or whether it's in, you know, a new, a new, a newly found venture, which is acting. And um, so I'm just trying to do it all. I'm just trying to find the time to continue to do all these things until one thing flourishes and I can choose that path forever, or maybe not choose that path and keep mm -hmm. doing all these different things and living in all these different worlds. So I just want to be able to just, you know, be a positive influence in my community that spreads throughout the world and then continue to just improve myself in every facet uh, of what I want to do. Like the acting thing was crazy because I just, you know, just like anything else, I wanted to, um, have practice, right? Any football, mm -hmm. practice before the games. And, and acting, I was like, I'm going to take some acting classes and um, kind of take it from there and see where we net out. After my third class, I told my agent about what I was doing. 
after like my third class, he's like, I think I got you an audition. And I was like, oh, what? Like, I'm not even ready. But like, you got to just be ready. Like, there is no, I'm not ready. You just got to be in the moment. And I did the audition. And long story short, I ended up getting it. It was my first audition ever. So obviously, bad, bad in a thousand, bad in a thousand. Like, yo, but now I'm like, now I'm like, Wait, is this, is this out? Audition, like, yo, what y'all talking about? Y'all don't want, y'all, don't, y'all not gonna give me this right now, like on the spot. Like, I just got the let, like, you're not gonna do that. <laughs> is this out? What did you audition for? My bad. If, it's not out, it's not out. I'm, I, I can't, uh, I can't, we haven't even dropped it yet. So I'm giving y'all like a exclusive peek. I can't tell exclusive. you what it is yet. Um, I can tell you it's on Broadway, though. I'll tell you that. Oh, there we go. Okay, okay. But, um, we need the goddamn coronavirus to get the fuck out of here, so you can have yeah, your Broadway debut. Fucking, fucking coronavirus. I'd be in it right now. It'd be uh, the run was April to August or something like that. Do what other what other acting do you want to do? Do you want to do films or or like? Drama? I would love to do films. I think Broadway is like the. It's like the. Wait. So what? What? One quick question: Was it a musical or is it a play? I'm not doing that with you today, Adam. You're not okay. Doing I'm trying, just trying to get a little bit more tidbits and details. Yeah, no, I'm not singing. Are you singing? Is what we want to know. I'm really not. I'm not singing. So you keep it at okay. That. All right. I'm not dancing either. So okay. Okay. Just, just curious. Okay, that's, that's all. We're just um, which dancing isn't necessarily that far. I mean, you dance your no. Good. Yeah, you're your good signature. Dancer, you can your dance, signature yeah. is a dance. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense. We can't hate on that. Yeah, your signature. Oh, you're right. So films you want to do, right? So films. So if anybody knows me, they know I love. Like I want to be the first Black James Bond. Like I'm mm. fully. Like I post James Bond clips all the time on the gram. Like that's my or any role even close to that. But like that James Bond got a different like energy to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I want to do films. I want to do. I want to do all of it. I want to see how far I can go. Like I, I think the one thing I've done throughout my career, whether it be football or anything else I've done, is that I've never been you know, shy about putting myself out there and, and putting myself out there for people to judge and, and you know, critique and, and even myself and, and surprise. I've surprised myself more than I've surprised everybody else. I remember 2011, game after game, doing well and excelling and surprised. I'd be in the locker room like, what is happening? <laughs> like, how, like, I'm just following what my coaches are saying and I'm executing it, but like, this is next level. Like, this is a different thing, you know, to be doing it with Eli Manning and the Giants and I'm home and Patterson's down the street. Like it was just like this is. It's this like a is movie. When is the movie about Victor Cruz coming out? That's what I want to know. That's that's it's funny. I've been thinking about that too. Just like just not even just ideating. Like if there was a movie, first of all, the movie would be it would be crazy. I think. Would you play yourself? I would want to play myself. Yeah, you can't sure. play yourself. Like, bro. You can. But the thing is, you can't. Who would play you? Who would play you if you can't <laughs> play yourself? Like, you can't play yourself, bro. <laughs> what are you who, doing? <laughs> who would play you if you can't play yourself? I don't know. I was thinking about that too. Uh, I was, uh, maybe like Jaden Smith, something like that. He might be too light skinned. I don't know. <laughs> also, Jaden Smith's like fourteen, right? How he's old like a, Yeah, he's a stick figure. He's, nah, he's, he's like. I he's mean, like, there's right. got to be a young, right? Yeah, so the young, the young, young, the early, uh, the early years, Jaden Smith, and then who do we transition into for the formative years? Who do we transition? Morris Chestnut. Oh. What? <laughs> like fifty five right now. Oh, is he what? 50, nah, he is fifty five. Nah, don't old. do Vic, but he look old. He look um, young. Black don't crack. Who would it be? It'd be somebody like he might be too, but like Damson Idris, you know, Damson from Snowfall, somebody yeah. like that. Yeah, Snowfall, like, great show. Um, like I think that'd be a good transition. Well, but Jaden's might be that Jaden to to Damson. That that <laughs> transition might be a little rough. I'm now imagining Jane Smith like trying to play football because you have to you have to have some some level of athletic. Not that Jane's not athletic, but I just I don't 
you know, picture him. Maybe it's one of those things where we find like this young kid, this gem somewhere, like in the town. You know, I want one of those like stories where we kind of birth one of these young actors. You know what I mean? Like maybe find something like that. Can I pitch? Can I pitch you a movie? Space Jam Three, starring Victor Cruz. How about that? Can you tell like LeBron, the football, like the football version? Can you tell LeBron that this was my idea, bro? That idea stinks. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Greenlight Space Jam three before Space Jam two. <laughs> that idea. Stinks. I can see the monster stars right now with shoulder pads and helmets on. Yeah, it would be a hit, massive hit. I'm just saying, if you want to pass it to LeBron, I will send you my email later. All right, send it. I'll tell him it came from Chop. There we go. There we go. Vic, this was so much fun. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. But but one one because chops, I don't know. We had it on the rundown. I don't know why chops skipped it. I think he knows the answer. Did but I, I want who's gonna have a better season between Daniel Jones oh. or Baker Mayfield? <laughs> oh man, I, I it is um, on the rundown. Yes, I forgot. I I gotta be biased and say Daniel Jones only because I think he's gonna be more comfortable in year two than Baker was in year two. Mm. I think. Baker came into year two with a lot of pressure with Odell and Jarvis and having to deal with all of that and be the quarterback of those guys in that of that team. I think Daniel Jones comes in being more of a leader already mm-hmm. and like having to, you know, delegate and tell people how he wants it run as opposed to coming into a situation with these polarizing figures. I don't disagree. Just don't let Freddie Kitchens hear him. Freddie Kitchens is a coach for the Giants now. Do not let Freddie Kitchens oh, talk oh, to Daniel oh. Jones when Daniel and maybe Jones, he'll have a successful season. When That's he has I'm a saying. better season with Freddie Kitchens than Baker does, oh man. Baker's Pro Bowl season on the deck, 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. It's coming. It's, right, I'm just letting you guys know. Here, nope. You From your right. mouth to God's ears, sir. <laughs> exactly, Vic. Space Jam 3 coming soon. You heard it here first. Baker Mayfield, Pro Bowl, Space Jam 3. That's what's happening. Oh, man. <laughs> if 2020 wasn't weird enough. Exactly. Exactly. But at least, yo, the new James Bond movie does come out in November, so we do have that. There we go. I'm excited for that. Exactly. Uh, Victor, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, man. Good to see you guys. Adam, always a pleasure, man. Yeah, we'll catch you soon, man. Thank you. This is awesome. Shout out to you, man. Go Giants. Absolutely. You guys stay safe. <laughs> Thank you, you too, Peace, man. Vic. Peace. Huge shout out to Victor Cruz for joining us. Man, just an absolute legend. Uh, I love talking to him. I hope he takes my idea, Adam, for Space Jam 3, because what I didn't tell him is I'm trying to be the Wayne Knight role in Space Jam 3 with him. You know, the Newman from Seinfeld, he was like MJ's go-to guy in the movie ended up playing in the game. That's what I'm trying to do. That was my kind of end goal there. Space Jam sucks. Why would you want to be in any sort of uh, sequel or revival of the original Space Jam? You, that is maybe, you've had a lot of weird takes and like that might be the How is that, like how, I don't understand how that's revered. I really don't, I really don't get it. I think, I think that's for another day. Uh, tweet us, is Space Jam good or does it suck? Teen Wolf's a better basketball movie than oh Space Jam. Oh, my God. All right. So next week we're debating uh, sports movies because Adam has these hot takes about Teen Wolf and Space Jam. Blue uh, Chips better than Space Jam. Well, Blue Chips is a classic. White uh, Man Can't Jump better than Space Jam. All right. He Got Game better than Space Jam. Let's save this Five for- movies I just ripped off that are better than Space Jam. Let's save this for next week because I hear we have some uh, fun guests coming up next week, too. I don't want to give too much away. We nothing but heavy hitters on the load man. Nothing, nothing but heavy hitters. We're trying to give you guys nothing but entertainment. Again, huge shout to Victor Cruz for joining us. He has so much going on. Check him out on Titan Games. You know everything you talked about. So much happening uh, for another episode of Load Management Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Follow Complex Sports. Uh, go to Apple and subscribe to the podcast. Go rate it five stars. 
We're in new and noteworthy still. Thank you to Apple Podcasts for that. Help us rate. Help us get up. Appreciate you guys so much. Until next time, we'll see you later. Special thanks to our producer, Josh Dodd, our associate producer and sound engineer, Jasmine Plata, our production manager, Chancel Correa, our talent booker, Shanice Kelman, who gets us all our great guests, our director of talent relations, Kristen Price Harrell, who also gets us the great guests, our senior director of operations, Jen Stewart. Shout out to the main man in charge, our GM, Donnie Kwok. This is a production of Complex Networks. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.